0: all right guys welcome in to today's episode of the southeast Tooth podcast it is thursday march 21st 2019 on today's episode of the podcast we continue uh our region by region breakdowns for the 2019 ncaa tournament With a look at the South region, and as usual, I am sharing uh, the previews that we did from the March to Madness podcast here on the Southeast Hoops podcast. Since there are SEC teams in each part of the bracket, uh, with the South, we look at number two Tennessee and number eight Ole Miss, both in that part of the bracket. As usual, we go through, break down each first round game, give you some upset picks if you're still trying to fill out your bracket, uh, and tell you who we think is going to have a great opportunity to come out of that part of the bracket and make it to the Final Four in Minneapolis. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into our 2019 NCAA Tournament South Region Preview. And we are wrapping up our region-by-region breakdown for the 2019 NCAA Tournament. And, Ken, we are going to jump right in to the South region. Uh, As always, we go through each first-round matchup, talk a little bit about it, uh, and then uh, answer some questions on uh, this particular region later on in the show that will help you uh, fill out your bracket and be ready for all the madness that's going to get started on Thursday all right, Ken, we start at the top. Number one, Virginia, against number 16, Gardner-Webb. On Friday, 3.10 p.m. Eastern in Columbia, Virginia, a 22-point favorite. Uh, certainly, the storyline is, is going to be Virginia has one seat again uh, based on what happened last year. Uh, here's the first thing I would say to that. I think I would forget about that. Don't let that get in your head uh, if you're a fan, because I think from Virginia's perspective, And there's several ways this could go, but I think there's going to be a lot less pressure on them because they don't. I think everyone's kind of saying, well, you know, we saw what happened last year. There's no chance this team can go a long way. But I think when you look at it, this might be Tony Bennett's best team he's had there. Uh, They're in the top five in the country in both offensive and defensive efficiency. This team's really, really good, and I would probably try to shy away if you're someone picking a bracket or if you're someone just kind of trying to to figure out how this tournament's going to unfold. I would try to shy away from using that narrative from last year because I don't just don't think it's going to fit here. Yeah,
1: you got to use good common sense on that, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, DeAndre Hunter wasn't there last year. I think the UMBC team that finished third in the American East last year was a whole lot better basketball team than Gardner Webb, the four seed from the big South. Um, It's a situation where, like you say, this is Tony Bennett's best team. I think it's because the offense and the weaponry they have to score the basketball uh, is as strong as it is. Uh, And, here here this this means nothing where their offense is concerned this year, but they're last in NCAA Division I basketball in tempo. But you know, that being said, they're they're able to score offensively much easier with Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, and DeAndre Hunter all averaging right around each other in double figures. Uh, you know, the the bulldogs the running bulldogs have no one taller than six six uh and they do have wins over wake forest and georgia tech but uh yeah no it's, it's lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place
0: yeah and something i would say too is if you look at some of his past teams they've had flaws offensively but it doesn't feel like this team has many flaws on the offensive side the defense has always been there but they've had flaws offensively in the past and that's allowed teams then come in and shoot the ball like UMBC did last season to come in and be able to, to win a game like that um, because Virginia didn't kind of have that same type of uh, efficiency on offense at times but this year it's a completely different story I think Gardner-Webb too now they don't really have any size they don't play great defense uh, it's going to be hard for them in this matchup so Listen, if Virginia becomes uh, not not just the first number one to ever lose to 16th seed, if they become the number one uh, to lose two straight years to 16th seed, uh, then we've got a serious problem on our hands. But I don't think that's going to happen uh, this season. All right, Ken, moving on to the 8-9 games, which always offer uh, intriguing matchups and maybe not the prettiest matchups. Um, that's going to be number eight, Ole Miss, against number nine, Oklahoma, on Friday as well, twelve forty p.m. Eastern in Columbia. Ole Miss currently a one point favorite. I think there's a couple things going into this. You've got two teams that are going to defend probably pretty well. Ole Miss, a lot more consistent defensively this year than they were a season ago. Uh, Oklahoma defends it pretty well. Uh, McNeese, uh, javani mcneese expected to play for oklahoma i think reports came out talking about that so that will be uh, something that lon Kruger will, will like to have welcoming him back onto the court uh, but there's a couple things that stand out here with with old miss uh, they are a team in a close game they're fifth in the country in free throw shooting 78.3 um, percent and if you look at oklahoma's resume They've only beaten one NCAA tournament team since November the 21st, and that November 21st was when they beat Florida. Uh, only one NCAA, only one team in the NCAA tournament since then that they've beaten. So that kind of shows you consistency-wise uh, where they're at, and let's say they do advance. I, I think their chances against Virginia would not be very good, even as well as they defend uh, at, at times during a game. This is a hard game to predict because I think Ole Miss everything's going to run through their guards. Uh, Oklahoma does a pretty good job uh, defending the perimeter. I- I'll be honest with you, this is probably of all the first round games. You know, there's probably a handful that we just really don't know what we're going to get. I think this is probably among that group.
1: Yeah, I agree. Now, you know, Ole Miss. If you look at this this part of the bracket, these eight teams in Virginia's pod, you've got. Let's go UVA, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Cal Irvine, and Wisconsin, Oregon. Ole Miss is probably the best offensive team except for Virginia in that group. I mean, they can score the ball more readily. The problem's going to be with size and physicality, you know, in the paint. Uh, And that's where my man K.J. Buffin, who's an X-Factor, who's had a really good freshman year for Kermit Davis – uh, I think it's going to come in there and, and have to be uh, uh, a big factor in the game as well as uh, um, uh, Henson, you know, who, who's played well for Ole Miss as well. I, I think, you know, he's going to go with the four-guard lineup. He's going to try to up-tempo it. Of course, Oklahoma's going to want to play, uh, you know, the tempo game. Christian James is probably their go-to guy. I think he's the only consistent scorer they have. And I'll tell you, the Sooners, to me, it's questionable for them to be in just because of the 7-11 and Big 12 record, let alone a nine seed. So uh, I, I like Ole Miss here. I, th- I think Ole Miss is going to have enough offense and enough of a running game to advance and play uh, the Cavaliers.
0: Yep, uh, Ole Miss has certainly been a lot more consistent this year. And offensively, like you mentioned, Terrence Davis, Brian Tyree, all those guys – um, Devontae, Shuler. Devontae Shuler and you mentioned Blake Henson, someone that's really come on as a freshman and made a huge impact for them. Uh, so Ole Miss has got, I mean, they they've got the the, the guys they need I think to attack Oklahoma, and it, it is. It's just kind of one of those games where uh, if Oklahoma plays this potential, knowing Lon Kruger, um, it's something where this can really be an interesting game. But uh, I think there's a reason you know Ole Miss is the eight seed and Oklahoma's the nine. Ole Miss has kind of shown their ability uh, to put themselves in a better spot throughout the season. All right, moving on down, and Ken, we're we're about to start what I think is going to be a very common theme in this South region here in first-round action. Number five, Wisconsin against number 12, Oregon, on Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's in San Jose, Wisconsin, a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. And here's the theme that I think we're going to see, and you'll notice this is something that's going to continue when we talk about a lot of these other games i would be shocked if this game is above 60s any in any form or fashion i think you're going to see a defensive oriented game Uh, it's the wisconsin way we know how they like to play uh, an elite defensive team their eighth in turnover rate um oregon is a top 20 defensive team it's gonna be low scoring and you consider this too that both teams are Uh I think are three hundred and twenty plus when you look at average possession length. Not gonna be a ton of possessions in this game. It's just gonna be one of those grinded out types of games. And I'll tell you, I've gone back and forth here. Oregon's a very popular upset pick. You look at a lot of brackets based on how they played. I mean they've won what eight in a row now. Mm -hmm. Um they're on fire. But you think about it, Wisconsin is still a team that it's just like this is their style. Like They, they know how to grind out these types of games. Uh, I, I think for them, if it's a close game, the problem you have with Wisconsin is that they are a terrible free throw shooting team, 64.9%. That's 330th nationally. This is that popular 12-5 upset. I think it's a very good possibility of happening. Uh, But, again, because there's so little possessions and you have teams that play at a slower pace, it's going to be hard for either one of these teams to sort of break away from each other.
1: Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, it's going to be like you say. I think this is going to be ugly, but Oregon can play ugly. You know, during this eight-game streak, they've only given up on average 51.5 points per game. Ethan Happ is the only consistent scorer for the Wisconsin Badgers. You know they've got Brad Davison, they've got Demetric Trice. I think Peyton Pritchard is is a better guard than either one of those guys. Uh, you know, and then in, on the interior, Oregon's much more athletic. Uh, you know, and and they tend. They Lewis King has really come on and had a great. Uh, year along with paul white inside i think paul white you know can negate ethan Hap some. i like the ducks right here
0: well um and i think that's something we'll probably talk about later we we look at our upset picks i think there's going to be some possibilities throughout this entire region uh but i have no idea what the over under is on this game right now but i'll tell you if you're someone that, that bets, get that under a serious look uh because i think it's just going to be a low scoring like you said it's going to be an ugly type of game um, but it doesn't matter how pretty it is it's all about advancing and uh, i think either of these teams would have a a decent shot at making it through the sweet 16 should they advance in this matchup moving on down another one number four kansas state versus number 13 uc irvine friday 2 p.m eastern kansas state a four and a half point favorite also in san jose there well, the big storyline here is there's no Dean Wade. Um he's not going to play and that's a, a huge blow to Kansas State. We've seen how important he's been over the years to them and not having him in this type of setting is is something that certainly is not a positive. Um and it's just like we said, you're looking at another low-scoring type of game here. Um you look at you, you know, you see Irvine's first and 2 point field goal percentage defense their fifth in effective field goal percentage defense. But you look on the other side, Kansas State, fourth in adjusted defensive efficiency. Though all these defensive numbers, these teams are in the top five in some very important categories. Uh, they're both among the most experienced teams in this entire field. It's it's a weird matchup because uh, and another one, like we said, this is the the bracket, the region of havoc, I think, where you're going to see a lot of crazy things happen and have a lot of possibilities Uh, because it doesn't seem like there's a a ton that separates some of these teams. Uh, But I think the the edge here that you look at, the experience with Kansas State making that run they made last year, but UC Irvine has nine players that average 16-plus minutes. They've got that experience. This is going to be a game, I think, that goes down to the wire. Uh, But don't be surprised, I think, here, if, if the anteaters are able to pull off the upset.
1: Yeah, really, the Anteaters, they've won 30 ball games. Uh, you know, they were 15 and one in the Big West. Uh, Russell Turner getting this team back into uh, the NCAA tournament for the first time, I think, since the 14-15 season. Uh, you know, and for them, the bad part of it is they were upset a couple other times where they had overall the best team in the league. Uh, you know, but they were taken down, and, of course, it's a one-bid lead league unfortunately and it locked them out uh kansas state i think xavier sneed and his athleticism could be an x factor around the rim uh cal irvine's going to have to check out hard on him there and then i like max hazard he you know he's a good player on the outside his grandfather walt hazard played and coached at ucla uh and then uh Coach Turner's got a really good guy inside, Jonathan Gannaway. This this is gonna be a heck of a game, uh, you know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna save any more I say about it until later.
0: Yeah, it should be one of the better first round games, probably in the entire tournament. Uh, like we said, there, there's a lot of upset potential based on UC Irvine, 30 win team um, has that experience, so that will certainly be one that a lot of people are gonna look at and probably uh, may have their bracket uh kind of busted by if they go the wrong direction on, on that particular game so it'll be fun to see how it plays out there uh ken moving on down to the bottom part of the bracket we go to number six villanova against number 11 saint mary's on thursday 7:20 p.m eastern villanova currently a four and a half point favorite that game takes place in hartford um i told you about the theme for this region in the first round it seems i think we're looking at yet another low scoring type of game here uh, based on how these two play offensively both we we just talked about the last couple games how the tempo could be slowed down a little bit especially in that Wisconsin Oregon game Villanova St. Mary's both of these teams 339th or lower in average offensive possession length Um, I think it's safe to say these two are going to try to get the shots they want and they're not going to be in a hurry to do anything else
1: yeah, you know, the the Gales are so efficient on offense, and, and they run such solid half-court sets. They're going to look to force turnovers. They're going to probably try to put uh, Colin Gillespie, you know, uh, in some situations that he's uncomfortable with uh, in running a Villanova offense. Uh, the St. Mary's, they got to be aware of the Villanova perimeter. They average 11 threes a game. Uh, and then, you know, Booth and, and Gillespie are a really good backcourt. I think Jordan Ford uh, is, is as good as Gillespie is uh, for St. Mary's. He averages 21.3 a game, shoots 42%. And then it's going to be very important now for Malik Fitz uh, to stay out of foul trouble and be able to match up inside with Villanova's athletic bigs.
0: Well, the three-point game, and we've talked about it for a lot of these teams throughout these regions, um, the three-point game can be such a a game-changer in a hurry, and you mentioned Villanova, how many threes they hit a game, they're fourth in the country in three-point attempts. Uh, They're going to put up a lot of three-pointers, and I think if you're St. Mary's, it simply comes down to being able to defend the perimeter because it's not just one guy for Villanova. You know, it's, it's multiple guys that can make shots from outside, and that is a a tough team to guard. Uh, But St. Mary's has defended the three well this season. Uh, They're a top 25 team in terms of offensive efficiency, and we saw what they did to Gonzaga. Uh, Any team that can do that, I don't care what the the situation or scenario is, uh, that's a team that you can't take lightly. So that's another game where I'd probably be surprised if it's not coming down to the final couple possessions in the last few minutes. Uh, to decide that game and that's what makes this south region so fun because you've got a lot of teams no matter what their seed line looks like you got a lot of teams feel like they're pretty close together Um, and I just I feel like we're going to get a lot of these games that are grinded out type of game they may not be the most exciting from an offensive standpoint in terms of uh, you know 95 88 type of games but you're going to see a lot of uh, sort of efficient play from from several of these teams in this region, and especially the case in this Villanova-St. Mary's matchup. Uh, the winner of that one will go on to take on the winner of the three-seed, Purdue versus number 14, Old Dominion. Uh, also on Thursday, 9.50 p.m. Eastern, Purdue a 12.5-point favorite. That game takes place in Hartford as well. You know, Ken, I think Purdue is a team that we we look at over the years, and they haven't had the type of success they want just year in and year out in this tournament. Uh, but they, they still got a lot of good pieces on the roster from that team that played so well last year, as we know. Uh, they've played a pretty tough schedule this year. They're top five in offensive efficiency. Uh, I think the problem here for Old Dominion, just looking at how they've played all season long, They've got to control the tempo here. Uh, they've got to rebound well. They're a pretty good defensive team, but I just don't know that they have enough offense at this point to be able to keep up with a Purdue team that, you know, while while they may have had some inconsistent times this season, they've still been really dang good on offense, and I think that could be a problem there for the Monarchs.
1: Yeah, I think the Monarchs inside game, uh, you know, is, is, is going to be uh... – a real issue. B.J. Sniff and Ahmad Kaver have played really well on the perimeter. I think they'll go in and, you know, have similar games. They average right around 17 points a piece a game. Uh, Purdue, you know, they've had back-to-back sweet 16s now, and everybody talks about Carson Edwards, you know, he's a scorer, he's not really a shooter. Uh, they may want to try to transition some here against ODU. Uh, they lack athletes, that's the only thing, and uh edwards of course is the exception so i thought they were overseeded at a three i thought they were a four or a five
0: well as we said i mean it's it's not like purdue's running up and down the court but we know old dominion wants to play a little bit of a a slower type of style and and the problem is like we said they just haven't been efficient um in several areas if you look at their two-point field goal percentage this year they're 44.5 percent. that's 340th nationally Free throw percentage, 66%. That's 324th nationally. Uh, so I just – I see a problem for, for them on the offensive side of the court, being able to keep up with this Purdue team. Uh, like we mentioned, just uh, – they've just got that it factor offensively. They've proven they've been able to score – uh, against really good teams as well and you know they're one of those teams w- with looking at how the south region plays out uh seating wise it, they're just they could have a chance to win a couple games and put themselves in a nice position uh here moving forward all right moving on down it's number seven cincinnati against number 10 iowa that's on friday twelve fifteen p.m eastern in columbus cincinnati a three and a half point favorite hey, and we're stressing the in columbus part Uh, of this particular matchup because I think that's all that anyone's talked about to this point and not necessarily focusing on the fact that I was capable of beating Cincinnati Ken and I I say that uh, knowing how well Cincinnati's played but I think here you've got a situation where even with Iowa losing six of its last eight games down the stretch if they're able to speed the game up and their ability on offense, they have a nice size advantage here in this particular matchup. Iowa could make this thing really interesting. Even, yes, the game isn't going to be in Columbus. We know how many Cincinnati fans are going to be there. Uh, Iowa could could make this pretty interesting, in my opinion, and maybe there's some people that's sort of overlooking them because it's one of those cases where you have a team that's come in just seems like they can't kind of have anything going for them at this point. But I don't know if this is the worst matchup in the world for Iowa, especially in this spot here.
1: Yeah, they're not a, the Hawkeyes are not a strong defensive team. They're like two forty three in the country. Uh, I think Cincinnati's going to get a lot of shots uh, on the interior with Jeron Cumberland and Trey Scott being able to use their uh, you know, athletic ability. I mean Cumberland's a beast uh, in physicality. I saw them play up at UCF. He he didn't have a, a a really good night that night, but he was a presence in the game in the clutch. In uh, keeping them in, in striking distance of the Knights that day. Um, I, I don't know. I think Cincinnati's also underseeded at a seven, uh, you know, and they haven't been to a sweet 16 since 2012, and, and they may feel like, you know, like you're saying, playing in Columbus uh, as a seven seed. They may feel like this is their opportunity, and, uh, you know, the Hawkeyes – I, I don't know. I think Tyler Cooks, their best overall player by far, shoots fifty-two point nine percent from the field. Uh, Cincinnati, to me, their defense uh, and, and their ability to lock down teams like Iowa, plus the fact that the Hawkeyes are not a great defensive team, I think that that spells trouble for Fran McCaffrey.
0: Well, here's the thing with Cincinnati, and you know, I'll I'll play you know kind of the other side of this. It's Mm that he doesn't have a ton of depth this year. This is not a team that that plays a lot of guys. And really, you know, beyond six guys, there's really not a lot of people that are contributing huge uh, for them. And so I think if you're Iowa, like we said, if you're able to push the tempo, make this an up-and-down type of game, keep it at your pace – uh, that that's going to make things a little tougher on Cincinnati. Now, as we know, it's a lot easier said than done. A lot of teams have tried to push the pace against Cincinnati, uh, and the Bearcats just don't allow it. So that that's going to be uh, sort of a more interesting matchup, I think, than meets the eye for most people. There's a lot more sexier type of uh, first-round matchups out there, but-, but I do think this is one where w- we could see sort of just based on how these two play from a style standpoint. Uh, th- there's a lot that's kind of fascinating going into that one. Uh, all right, wrapping up the first round matchups. We go to number two Tennessee against number fifteen Colgate on Friday, two forty-five p.m. Eastern uh, in Columbus as well. Tennessee seventeen and a half point favorite. Uh, Colgate back in the tournament for the first time in, in many many years. I want to say ninety six. Uh,
1: Donald Foil.
0: It's it's been a while, hasn't it? And so. Yeah, I- yeah, you get them back in. The problem is they don't get a good matchup here against the Tennessee team that could have easily played for a number one seed. Um, and, and like we said with these other teams, simply with Gonzaga, some of these other teams we've talked about, I think you got to just sort of throw out the performance in the SEC championship game. Uh, you got to give more credit to Auburn. I think that that was more about Auburn than it was about Tennessee. Auburn just shot the ball so dang well that there was nothing anybody could have done. Uh, You could have put any team out there, and I think they would have ran into the same sort of problems. Uh, For me, Tennessee all year long, Ken, we've talked about them a lot, and and they just have those intangibles you need. Uh, If you're looking for a team that I think has the the pieces you need to win in a a survive and advance type of setting, I think this Tennessee team – With how efficient they are on offense, they shoot it so well from the free-throw line, and they're able to get there a lot with Grant Williams, as we know, uh, his ability to get to the free-throw line. Colgate's going to want to slow this game down. Now, I will say this, we we say for the recipe for an upset as a team – that can knock down threes. Colgate, 12th in the country in three-point percentage at 39.1%. That's their best hope here. Uh, but I just don't think they're going to be able to defend well enough to stop Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, and all those guys from Tennessee.
1: Uh, Tennessee, you know, great depth, great experience, a warrior mentality, just, just super kids. I think Jordan Boone joins Jared Harper as maybe the two most underrated point guards in the nation. Um, you know, it's a volunteer team. Their offense and defense are both in the top 20 uh, in efficiency ratings, which is, you know, really the – that rides everything overall. Um, and, and I I just think, like you said, you know, the, the, win, uh, the SEC tournament was more about the, the Auburn Tigers and what Tennessee didn't do. And I think Tennessee just needed to rest yeah. after beating Kentucky – like they did in a great game and then getting getting absolutely throttled by auburn they just needed to go somewhere and rest themselves mentally get off their feet watch film of colgate and cincinnati and iowa uh and get ready to go play and lamonte turner's back by the way he had a great game sunday 24 points in the loss
0: yeah kyle alexander is going to be the guy that, that kind of determines, I think, how far they go because um, mm-hmm. they, they've got to have something inside. Got to
1: stay out of foul trouble.
0: Yeah, they, they've got to have an inside presence, uh, just a traditional big man like that that can, can sort of make plays. And you think about it, Ken, go back to last year. That was one of the reasons why they lost. I think that game to Loyola's, Kyle Alexander didn't play, and that was something mm-hmm. that, that played a factor uh in that game and that's like we i think he's the x factor for them depending on how far they can go uh he's going to be the the one that sort of determines whether they can get to the final four or play for a national championship uh the vols though loaded uh they there's a lot to like about this team and i think they've they've got a lot of potential here in this particular region All right, to the fun stuff. We go, uh, let's run through some of these questions that will give people a better idea of what we're thinking in terms of who's going to advance in this particular region. We start, Ken, uh, with uh, your most anticipated first-round matchup.
1: I'll tell you, there's some good ones in here. Uh, You know, and I think mine's going to be Kansas State and UC Irvine. Yep. Uh, Like we're saying, you know, this is going to be a defensive struggle. I'd be surprised if either team... Uh, it goes over 65 points, Uh it's going to come down to the wire and, uh, you know, look out for the anteaters.
0: Yeah, that would be mine, so since you're going with that one, I'll just go with the, the other one, and that's Wisconsin-Oregon. I think that's another one that's going to be, um, you, you know, it, it's it's going to be sort of intriguing to to see how that game plays out. You said that one, you know, this could be a 60-50 type of game uh, with this one as well, and Th- that that part of the bracket that that little pod right there with those four teams i think there is multiple different scenarios in terms of you know you could have multiple matchups in the second round because i don't you know the, both those games should be very close uh, and that's what makes them certainly the most anticipated matchups of the group uh can i think you said it earlier but we'll go ahead and uh do it here again and when we talk about it uh you're upset uh, special here in this part of the bracket
1: I have, two. I have uh, Cal Irvine beating Kansas State and Oregon beating Wisconsin. I think uh, both of those teams are playing better than their counterparts, and there's not a lot of difference, I don't think. And, and, you know, Kansas State's probably day in, day out the best team of the four. But with Dean Wade out of there, it's, it's a totally different ballgame.
0: I think we've seen that Kansas State team just at times. It, they look really good, and there's other times where it's like, are, am I watching the right team? I've gone back and forth on Wisconsin-Oregon. At first, I was fully sold myself on Oregon winning that game, but the more I look at it, I just there's something about Wisconsin in that particular matchup that, that I don't hate. And so I will go with the same one as you. I think UC Irvine uh, in a great spot because of the experience. Even though Kansas State has that experience too, they don't have Dean Wade. Uh, You've got a UC Irvine team that's deep. Um, The way they play defense, I just think they can cause a lot of fits here for the Wildcats. So that's the one I would go with uh, as well on that one. All right, Ken, uh, maybe this ties into what we just talked about, but the seventh seed or lower that can win multiple games in this region.
1: Well, yeah, I think it does tie in there. You know, I'm going to go with uh... (laughs) – I'm going to tie them again. I'm going to tie <laughs> UC Irvine and Oregon. I I think Oregon, you know, their winning streak, them winning the Pac-12 tournament. That you know, they're they're kind of like Tennessee, you know, with a little bit different uh, uh, point of view. They need to get off their feet and rest and enjoy their their title, and then you know revamp and move on and the same thing for the anteaters I, I i'm i'm going there with both of them
0: yeah that's i would go there too and that's where a lot of people are going and i know some people are probably going to say well what about cincinnati and i'll tell you go ahead and just throw this out here because i do realize if tennessee and cincinnati is that second round game uh you have an underseeded seven seed cincinnati going up against tennessee in columbus I just still, in that matchup, I still think Tennessee's the the better team. And so that's why I think it's harder for Cincinnati to win multiple games than one of these teams we just talked about, whether if, if Oregon's able to pull the upset against Wisconsin, if UC Irvine's able to pull the upset against Kansas State, it wouldn't be surprising, I don't think, to anyone to see those two teams playing each other in the second round. And so it is. It feels like they're the better bets uh, in terms of looking at seven seeds or lower that can win multiple games, get to the Sweet 16 uh, in and, that scenario.
1: And, you know, to make a point here, uh, we talked about Auburn and the bad bad draw they were handed. What about Tennessee? It's yeah. like Rick Barnes. I mean, they were number one in the country for four or five weeks. They probably should have had a one seed okay over you know you pick which acc team out of there and then there are two and they're sent to columbus <laughs> to play the bearcats
0: well that's going to tie into what we're going to talk about here in a second when we run through uh another question but but yes that 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 plays a huge role and it's another one of those things that just sort of you shake your head about, but we have several of those each year with the committee, uh, as we know. All right, uh, moving on to the next question: How many teams realistically do you think can win this region?
1: Uh oh, boy, you know you got you got definitely Virginia um, and definitely Tennessee. You know I'm going to say Cincinnati if they get by Tennessee
0: all right i I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna go where I told somebody as soon as the bracket came out. I think it's two I think it's Virginia or Tennessee I just I don't see enough with the other teams in this region, especially that the higher seeds to feel like they're gonna be able to come out of this thing. I think it's one of those two i for me, and this kind of goes segues into our last question, which is gonna be. Uh, your winner for this region and i'll save mine for a second but to me i would be more surprised than not versus other regions where i think there can be some different types of matchups i just feel like virginia versus tennessee is the matchup here to get to the to the final four uh, because I, i i don't have enough confidence i think in the other teams that are around them The biggest problem for Tennessee is going to be getting past Cincinnati, like you mentioned. If the Vols can do that, I like their matchup against any of those four teams, Villanova, St. Mary's, Purdue, Old Dominion, and that's why I think Tennessee and Virginia are the two teams. And, yes, I guess you know, kind of as a caveat, Cincinnati could be that third team for me, but I don't know. I just tend to lean towards Virginia and Tennessee. So, Ken, we'll go ahead and throw it to you, your pick for the winner of the South region.
1: Uh, Tennessee, I, I agree with you. I've got Tennessee and Virginia there in the Elite Eight. They're on a collision course. The Volunteers are on a mission. They, uh, you know, were inexplicably excused last year by Loyola and Sister Jean. So we're going with the Vols uh, all the way to Minneapolis and maybe more.
0: Yeah, I've gone back and forth, and certainly you, you know who I'm talking about is playing each other. Virginia and Tennessee, I just said it. But I've gone back and forth because I, I, I've looked at that one part of the storyline with Virginia. This is Tony Bennett's best team. And the redemption tour, I think, is in full effect here. And story-wise, mm-hmm. it would be great to see them get to the Final Four. Um, yeah. And I just there's something about this Tennessee team. I've said it all year long. I've thought they were the most complete team when Kyle Alexander's playing well, and that's why we keep going back to He's got to play well here if he does, I think Tennessee's the pick coming out of this region um and it's just but but it is it's going to be th- those two teams i'd be surprised if there's another team besides virginia or tennessee that comes out of the south region that's where i think this bracket is right now this could be the bracket of chaos in terms of the the first round upsets we mentioned oregon and uc irvine i think you could just as equally see a saint mary's upsetting in villanova um i told you kind of the reasons that that Iowa could play the spoiler in columbus uh, against cincinnati There's a lot of different ways this thing could go, but ultimately I think it will come down to Virginia and Tennessee for the right to go to the Final Four. All right, that was our region preview for the South here in the 2019 NCAA Tournament. As you heard, we made it pretty clear what we thought about Tennessee's chances to make it to Minneapolis. Uh, I said it when the bracket came out and sort of echoed that in our preview. I just think the draw for Tennessee – is a very good one despite not getting a number one seed if you were going to be a two seed i don't think you could have had a better path in this particular scenario as the vols do uh, and they have a pretty good shot to, to make it there um just because like we said the, the whole columbus thing that that's something that will get talked about a lot if cincinnati is the matchup but i still think tennessee's a better team And I think the Vols have a really good shot to make it all the way to the final four. So uh, that will wrap up uh, our region-by-region previews. If uh, you want to go back through, you missed any of them, just go back. Uh, We've had them the past four days now, so one each day. Go back through, find the region of your choice. Uh, Be sure to check that out. It'll help you fill out your bracket and get you ready for a lot of basketball uh, as things are getting ready to get started. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, so make sure you subscribe to Southeast Tubes Podcast go to any podcast app you use uh, just search for southeast hoops that way you get all these episodes uh, delivered to you when they go up we'll have a lot more coverage throughout the ncaa tournament a lot more fun stuff on the way at southeast plus periscopes now throughout uh, the the fun of march as uh, you just follow me on twitter at the blake level that way you can join the discussion send in your questions uh, we're going to start doing more of those here as we go throughout the tournament so thanks as always for listening and i will talk to you guys next time